I got the backlash, the backlash of my life. Trust me. I, I couldn't sleep for days. My head was oh. on fire. People were tweeting. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the bulletproof entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in once again. Sorry I've been away for um, quite a bit. There's been um, some personal challenges going on in my life, so I had to take some time off to help out with that. Um, well, first of all, my grandma passed away not too long ago, so we had to deal with funeral, burial, and what have you. And um, one of my younger cousins that lives with us and lived in my house while I was still abroad um, was diagnosed with um, cancer of the lungs and of the kidneys. So, um, yeah, it's been quite challenging, but, you know, God has been faithful and he's been helping us. So, um, taking care of him, working on all those stuff, you know, you know had to put some of my own projects at the back seat but yeah things are going well and things are getting better now so um back to the show and um yeah we'll continue with your regularly scheduled programming so um there's an appeal i'd like to make to you guys to help me out if you can and that's if you can go to gofundme.com slash nengi so that's g-o-f-u-n-d-m-e dot com forward slash n-e-n-g-i and make a donation um i'd really 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 appreciate that the medical bills are kind of piling up and you know it's kind of beyond something that we can bear as a family so we need your prayers we need your support so if you can donate i really appreciate it if you can't donate please say a prayer for my cousin and wish him a speedy recovery and we'd appreciate that a lot too so once again that's gofundme.com forward slash nengi or backslash nengi i don't know whatever slash but n-e-n-g-i and you'll find his page yeah so with that said today's guest is a special guest of honor his name is randolph Owusu. he's a whiskey entrepreneur from ghana he's a web developer and we chopped it up quite a bit on the show so he shared a lot of wisdom a lot of insights you know his failure story and his comeback story are really, really amazing. So you guys want to sit down and listen to it. And also, he's actually on the investor circuit raising funds for his startup. So yeah, if any investor is listening out there, you know, people like Jason Njoku, um, Rod Wafu, and, you know, any other Africa-centric investor that is looking to put some money to work with some awesome entrepreneur in Africa and get results and big bang for your buck yeah there's no one else to to turn to better than my man randolph in ghana maestro cue the interview good afternoon guys welcome to the show today's guest is randolph owusu randolph is a software engineer based out of Accra, ghana who was dubbed by forbes africa as the mark zuckerberg of Accra. randolph runs the oasis websoft which is a a software development company based out of Accra, like I said. He's been credited as the first African to build an African-made web browser, which is called the Anansi Web Browser, and a several range of products out of his um, software development company. So Randolph is here to talk to us about his um, life, his adventure thus far, his business, businesses, 
and of course what it takes to become a great software developer, especially one that has been receiving a lot of press and recognition in the media. So Randolph, welcome to the show. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, so I'm Randolph Owusu. I'm, I'm from Accra, Ghana. And uh, my background, I, I come from a family of eight, six siblings, and I'm the fourth born. Um, so I've had a very interesting educational part in terms of uh, background. I did visual arts in secondary school, and after secondary school, I did a bit of creative writing, and finally, I found my passion in technology. But that has been over time because my dad got as a computer when I was, uh, I think, 10 years, but he bought it for my other siblings. So overnight, when everybody's sleeping, I get to uh, play around with the computer, and I realized it's something I would like to pursue. So I did computer science in university, Methodist University in Ghana. It's a private university. Because of my visual arts background, I, uh, um, it was difficult to gain admission into a public institution, you know, because when you do visual arts, you hardly do some of the core subjects needed for computer science. Mm. So I went to a private university. That was a little bit expensive, but my parents um, were open enough to support me because that's the part I wanted to take. So in my second year in the university, I realized um, our school is getting very boring. I wasn't a fan of the theoretical part of computer science. So I decided to start a project and just build a couple of softwares for people to see how technical or how proficient I was in programming. And over time, I turned that small project into a company. And um, that's pretty much how I entered into technology, and that's my, my background. Okay, so what was that project that you started building out of boredom that eventually became Oasis? Was it the browser? Yeah, it was the browser. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so, how, so, so how did it start exactly? So what caused you to say, hey, I mean, there's mm-hmm. Internet Explorer, there's Firefox, there's, Gro- mm-hmm. there's Chrome, mm-hmm. there's Safari. Why, do, mm-hmm. why does the world need one more browser? And why did you decide that you were the one to build it? Um, so why I built a web browser at that point, what I would, my response at that point would be, I wanted to build a browser to show people how technical I was, how good I was. But at the same time, I realized all the web browsers had just one primary role and their role is to help you surf the internet. Mm. You get to search for something or you get to, um, type in your URL or your link, as most people would say. But then, this is um, Ghana, at that point in Ghana, in Accra, there are times that the internet is crappy. There are times that, you know, you open your web browser and you don't have any internet connection. Uh, so I came up uh, with a concept. Then I had two other friends of mine that I, I don't think the media has given them credit as they should. Okay. It, um, Aaron. Yeah, so yes, I want to name them. Yes, up. name them, yes, uh, of course. And uh, so Aaron Nathan and um, Kwabna Janta. Okay. So these are like um, two friends who... Uh, worked on the web browser with me, and what we said was, if the internet is crappy, you still would have to be on the browser. We are going to give you interesting features that will allow you to stay on the web browser, even when your internet is um, not going so well. Uh-huh. So we included um, a web camera in the web browser that would allow you to take pictures when your internet is down. Uh-huh. We included a theme changer that will allow you to play around with the, the look and feel of the web browser. And we included one more feature that was very important called the download manager. Uh, what the download manager allows you to do is 
it allows you to grab um, images and text from uh, web pages you like to go to. Oh. So if there's a news uh, online you, you want to read, but you, you don't want to read it later on, you can grab that page. So even when the internet is off, you can still go back to that page. So we we introduced the concept of offline technology. Offline, offline browsing, essentially. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And what, uh, what you'd find amazing is after we did that in 2011, in 2013 and 14, I think other web browsers included uh, that feature in, in their web browser. So, mm. you know, it's amazing to see Africans thinking outside the box well, years ago. Pioneering, yeah. pioneering the new technology that became mainstream, what, so yeah. what two years yeah. later. Yeah, and okay. I guess at that point, we didn't know anything about uh, patenting and, you know, things like that. So okay. we didn't patent that concept because it would have been cool for us to have um, um, uh, copyrighted uh, that technology in our name or writing a research article on that for us to be credited with yes. um, coming up with an offline technology because at that point, Chrome, Mozilla, everybody else, will, their focus was just their online experience. Nobody thought of um, emerging areas that had like uh, no quality internet mm-hmm. uh, connection. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, what eventually happened to you and your teammates? Um, so after uh, we, we built the web browser, we went separate ways, I believe. Um, but before then, we had gone to hackathons. We had competed in different competitions. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I, I I brought up the idea we should all make it formal and start a company. But then, you know, we all had different interests on where to take the company. So um, I think uh, I started Oasis Websoft. And the reason why I started Oasis Websoft at that time, I didn't believe technology had a lot of traction in, in Africa. Uh-huh. You know, people didn't believe Africans at that point could build websites at the, at the time of 2011. So I wanted, when you look at the world map, I wanted Africa to be the next Oasis. You know, um, an Oasis is a green field in a desert. So I saw the whole world as a desert and Africa being the next field. Okay. So, and Websoft being, we build uh, web applications and software. And so I started Oasis Websoft. Uh, Janta joined a, a company at that point, and Aaron decided to uh, follow academia. So Aaron is working, uh, he's working with Methodist University, I think, doing a bit of research. And uh, I heard he'll be going to MIT. Yeah. So, yeah, we all doing good for ourselves. That's good. That's good. So you, you guys started this thing, you split up, and then, then you started running your own company. So yeah. after, initially you built it up with your friends, yeah. and then mm-hmm. you guys split. So what happened after that? How did you um, grow Oasis Websoft to the company it is today? Um, so I believe starting a company at that point wasn't easy because I didn't even have a website. All I had was um, just the name Oasis Websoft. Mm. So I spoke to, I have a very caring mother who... Uh, I talked to a lot about different things. She's very entrepreneurial. She's done, like, so many different jobs in, in my time. So I believe she's, like, the best person I talked to. So I told her I wanted to start a company. So she gave me about $20, $30. And, but in my local currency, that should be around 50 Ghana cities. Uh-huh. So I, I bought a domain name. I looked online, and I found a place where I could get cheap domain name. So I bought uh, voiceswebsop.com. And yeah, 
So at that point, I think founding a company in my mind was just having a website. <laughs> so I didn't formally register the company until after a year. Okay. And that was, uh, I believe, there was a lot of learning in the works. So the main concept of Oasis WebSoft at that point, I was still in the university, so you can imagine, I was juggling between being in the university and starting a company. Mm-hmm. And my aim was to build software that would, that the main focus of our audience is going to be in Africa. I wasn't looking at the world. Because when you come to America, for instance, America had the WhatsApp, they had the Facebook, they had technologists who were building solutions for their kind of problems here. In Africa, we had a different set of problems. So um, I decided my focus is going to be Africa. Africa, we have about, I don't know our population at this point, but we have about a million people in Africa. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge population that I wanted to tap into. So anytime I build any application or my company without any technology, our focus is Africa. And that was uh, the concept at the beginning. So our mission statement at that point is to transform uh, West Africa with technology. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, to make sure West Africa wasn't left out in the continuous evolution of technology. So that was our mission statement when we started. And, um, yeah, so we're building technologies at that point that uh, is going to be relevant in the African context. And at the same time, building all this cool stuff meant we needed investment. Mm-hmm. We needed operational costs to run the company. And I, I, I needed help as well because I couldn't, I, I was already locked up in school, you know, during the day. Mm-hmm. I had to work at night. And, you know, I had to go to meetings. So I needed uh, people to help me in terms of the business side and the development side. So we decided that apart from building innovative products, we are also going to enter into the IT services area. That is building websites for companies, mm-hmm. building cloud-based um, applications for uh, medium-scale companies, and also um, building customized software for, for companies. And that was how we're, um, till date, that's how we run our company. Mm-hmm. We make um, um, enough uh, money. Not too much, but enough money <laughs> from from that space, and we use that to run our operational cost, and we also use that same money to invest in our innovative products. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So basically, you created an entity where mm-hmm. one side of it is the experimental phase, developing products that you use yep. to actually solve mm-hmm. African-centric problems, while the other side is more of like an outsourcing mm-hmm. company where companies overseas or even in Ghana can hire you guys to do things as simple as yes. building a website or yep. a mobile, application. mobile app or something. Just something that will bring money in the door while you're of course. developing. Yeah, well, okay. yep, yep, yep. So you mentioned something here that you focus on solving African problems. And um, mm-hmm. this, this led me to think about something. How do you feel when... Um, like take for example Forbes will say something like you're the Mark Zuckerberg of Africa granted that he's done an amazing thing in creating Facebook and it solved a problem for his school at the time and now it's solving a mm-hmm. greater problem for the world but when mm-hmm. solving an African problem um, I don't think like a 14, 15 year old or 11 year old as it were today in Africa would have the same challenges as Mark Zuckerberg was having then yeah. or now. So what, what, what do you think about when you hear such comparison? 
Yeah, so I I made it clear in the NPL, I think the NPL um, feature about that uh, controversial topic that I would rather want them to relate to me as Randall Fools, who was mm. an African, than to label me as uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I believe the challenges in America is totally different from the challenges mm. in Africa. Mark Zuckerberg dropping out from Harvard tells you a lot about him as a person. Mm. Super smart, comes from a very uh, well-to-do home. And that is totally different. I've not gained admission to Harvard. I'm from Ghana. I graduated from the university. And, you know, we are totally different. I think the media always finds an interesting way to sell a story. And yeah. I think that was why they came up with that. So, you know, all publicity is good publicity, so I won't uh, refute it. But I believe at this point, I'm letting people know they should relate to me as a kind of folks oh, because okay. it will be easy for a student who is doing computer science in University of Lagos to relate to Randolph Ousu than to relate to Mark Zuckerberg, mm. you know. And, and that's how I... I believe will help more, motivate more people to get into the field and know that, hey, Randolph is an African. He, he looked beyond the challenges and was able to build something that's awesome. So I can also do the same. But to compare someone to Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, trust me, the resources are uh, in the United States. There's quality internet connection. There's good um, power supply. Power supply. <laughs> the power supply. There are books. Like Back home, yep. Yeah, back home, um, we have power rationing that at one point in, in the day, one part of the city would have electricity, another part won't have electricity. So even from the power stance, you know we are totally different. Mm-hmm. So it would be best for people to rather relate to me as a person and as somebody who is hoping to transform uh, Africa as a whole with technology. Okay, great. And speaking of transforming Africa as a whole with technology, um mm-hmm. You developed the skill set by going to school, you know, learning software. Um, I think yeah. I read somewhere that in the course of, I want to say, high school for you, you were working with someone in an internet cafe that allowed yep, you to yep. use the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so that you could learn how to program or learn yep. how to at least get the skill set you need. Um, Coming out of college today, and now that you're an entrepreneur hiring people, do you think that college actually prepares um, software programmers for the life of being a full-time, you know, market-driven software, mm-hmm. high-quality software programmer? Or do you think it is um, better to get your hands dirty as it were, finding problems mm-hmm. and solving them, creating your own side projects, and just doing things that essentially will task you? as opposed to trying to get an A grade in school. So what, 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 uh, what's your thought on that? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I, I'm a big believer in learning. I actually learn more now that I'm outside of school than I was in school. Mm. And first of all, I think our educational systems in Africa need to be rethink. Um, we need to go back to the drawing board. So let me take my course in computer science, for instance. I majored in information technology in the university. And what that meant was I had to do a little bit of everything for four years. And they didn't give us very concrete skills in programming or concrete skills in e-commerce for um, for solid years. We're just doing different things. So at the end of the day, anybody who came out with a degree in computer science would have had um, 
a little skills of everything. So like jack of all trades and mm. master of nothing. And those who were focused on programming would be half-baked programmers. They could just do basic things like uh, write a console Java application or uh, build a very static HTML uh, website. And this is a problem across. So I believe uh, the education system, it doesn't prepare you. Even as an entrepreneur, I... I take up a lot of online courses to learn more about finances and, okay. and business and different things. So, you know, school didn't teach me about manage, money management, management of a team, launching a product, starting a company. Mm-hmm. You know, so I believe that entrepreneurship should be instilled in the school from even a basic um, level. Even okay. when you're in, like, um, high school, you should be taught on how you can manage your money, you know, how to... Um, find your talent because people hardly know what they have in them. Even me, if I, if you'd asked me 10 years ago if I would have been in this food, I'll tell you you're lying because I thought I was going to be a film script writer mm. and now I'm into technology. So I believe if at a very young age I was um, given an opportunity to discover my talent, mm-hmm. I would have known technology from the onset is something I I had passion for, and I would have even started programming at, at 14 or 13, like you see in, in the West, in America, and in Europe, you know. So I believe um, the education system doesn't prepare one to be an entrepreneur unless you decide to go outside the box and read beyond your class. During my final semester in the university, I was actually going to business classes that I wasn't invited to. <laughs> you know, I was, if they had like a guest lecturer who was going to talk about the GDP or um, the high cost uh, living against the GDP and things like that, you'd find me sitting there and people found it weird. But at that point, I knew the trajectory I, I, was, I was following. And I realized if I didn't know much about business, Mm-hmm. My company would, would collapse. So, you know, it took a lot of um, passion and the yen to study to do all these different things. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so you have the skills as a programmer. Mm-hmm. You essentially mm-hmm. program in nine languages, correct? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it, it has increased, you know. I, it has increased. You know, what is yeah, it Programming now? is exciting. Um, when you... When you should first understand the basic of at least one object-oriented programming language like Java or C++ or, and maybe one functional programming language. So over time, technology is one field you don't want to enter into, trust me, because every day there's a new programming language or a framework that makes uh, your life as a programmer easy and that you'd have to study. There's a ton of documentation. So when you choose uh, the part of programming, you shouldn't be lazy. You have to study a lot. So every time there's something new coming up. Okay, so, so if you were to advise someone that wants to start getting into programming today, what are the first languages you would suggest that person learns? Mm-hmm. Oh, just um, you have to understand web design first. You know, web design is always an introduction. So learn HTML, mm. uh, learn PHP. PHP, trust me, when you learn it, it will give you a fair idea into programming and learn MySQL for the database side. Mm. And after you are proficient in this day, I'll suggest you now enter into object-oriented programming. What it does is uh, you have to study a bit of Java. I think Java is what we all were introduced to, but it will be good for you to study Java or Python, you know, and... From there, you can, if you're very proficient in Java and Python, and now you can write a full-scale application, then here you can uh, you can now learn the, the newbies like Ruby on Rails and you know frameworks like Django and 
you know, and Node.js and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, and I want, I want to keep exploring this side of your background. Why is it that mm-hmm. um, in as much as you were building your company and you started this side project, but I'm sure mm-hmm. by the time you graduated, you had enough skills to have mm-hmm. either received an offer from a good company in Ghana or abroad. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever consider going that route to like work somewhere, save up some money and then quit and then go back to yeah. business full time? Um, that's like, uh, that's a good question for, for starters. So, yeah, I got offers. If I should tell you the companies I turned them down, you'd be surprised. I don't want to mention it because I now have a business relationship with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but trust me, I got very good offers, mm. very, very good ones because my name was out there and I had a, very, a fairly good CV. So I got very good offers, but I turned it down. The reason I turned it down is I believe I'm so young. Um, I don't know whether to, I'll be 25 uh, in October. I don't know whether that is young, but to me, I feel I'm still young. Mm-hmm. And this is the decade for me to explore, for me to, I, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So there is, I don't have so much responsibility for me to take up a secure job. And, you know, and secure job can be very tempting because once you get a job, oh, it'll be good competition. You get to learn more and everything else. But then when you get, um, Adapt, uh, adapted to the idea of it being a secure job. I don't know how to put it for you to understand, but if your body likes the security you're getting from that job in mm-hmm. terms of good salary, good benefits, it'll be yeah. very difficult Vacation for you every to, couple weeks. Yep. Yep, yep. It'll be very difficult for you to quit the job. So I didn't even want to taste what that felt like. Okay. You know, but even before that, I had done some work for ThoughtWorks. ThoughtWorks is a global IT consortium. Uh, they started in Chicago, but they have about 20, 21 offices around the world, China, Australia. So I did a bit of work for them. So that gave me a taste of working for a multinational company. And trust me, the, I, I had such a great time. They flew me to Uganda to work in their office there. Mm. And I did some work there for about three months. So I think at that point, I had a an interesting feel of uh, corporate, um, although it was a, an IT company, so there wasn't too much uh, corporate environment where you had to wear suits and everything else. But it gave me a feel of working for a multinational IT company. Mm. But at the same time, I realized IT is evolving. This is the time for me to innovate. This is the time for me to build an application like PESA. So we built um, an application called PESA. What uh, it does is it allows you to ask a doctor a question. Mm. And this, this, um, this kind of application is mitigating the rate, the rate at which people self-medicate themselves. Yes. Reason being, um, in Africa, there are no regulations. I don't know about Nigeria. But no, there are no regulations. Yeah. You can go to pharmacies around, uh, pharm- and say, oh, yep. I have a headache. Uh-huh. They just give you this. Yep. Or you say, oh, I feel yeah. like this. They'll give you antibiotics. Yep, and that's the same case in Ghana. So now we are giving people the opportunity to ask a doctor, tell the doctor what your symptoms are, and then he'll let you know what is wrong with you or suggest a professional, a health professional uh, for you to go and see or a hospital that he thinks they are best in that field. Mm. And with people who have social, uh, uh, people who have sexually transmitted diseases, they are, we've given them the platform to be able to take a snapshot of the area they are concerned about, send it to the doctor and this uh, in this way, um, they won't be scared of uh, 
um, what's what's the word? There's a lot of uh, stigmatization yeah. around STDs. So now you are home, the doctor doesn't see you, you don't see the doctor. Mm. You are free to tell the doctor you had an unprotected sex and you're seeing the symptoms. And the last conversation I had with the doctors this week, um, they told me they've had uh, so many of such requests from young people who have uh, have symptoms and they are scared to go to the doctor. Mm. So this, you know, so I believed at that point that this kind of applications are what needed in the African context, okay. you know. And the feature of an application like this is in about less than two months, we are rolling out a voice feature to help our people who cannot type in English, okay. you know. We don't want to look at just the literate population. Yeah. We want to as well look at the illiterate, uh, uh, not, not to... Uh, um, Say um, sound uh, rude or anything. Mm-hmm. The illiterate population. Those that like dwell, to... dwell in the rural areas are not like tech savvy. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. But everybody so has access is... to a phone and can still talk yep. in the phone in the native yep. language. Correct. Yep. 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 So now, um, um, yeah. So that's uh, the the population you are trying to reach. Mm. You know, because anyways, they get infected with some of these things because they are not well informed. Mm. So tell. Um, so if a company like Oasis Webshop doesn't build things like that, who is going to build it? Yeah. Yeah, building these applications in 10, 15 years wouldn't make sense. Mm. Uh, this is a time for us to build things like this. Yeah. That is why I didn't go for a secure job. I've gotten quite, I get a lot of offers. Trust me, when I go to an investor and I pitch my company, they end up telling me, oh, come and work for me rather than let me invest in your company. Mm. These are very huge companies that, I could easily make uh, a couple of thousands and um, um, fairly uh, maybe a million dollars from if I should work there in the long term. Mm. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, um, so how do you intend to monetize BISA? Is it a pro bono work for the doctors? Do they work for uh, free or is there some type of payment structure? How, how will uh-huh. money be yeah. paid in this product? From the social, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so firstly, uh, bringing two doctors on board, um, I believe we had already spent so much money in research and development phase of PESA. So at the point we got the two doctors, we didn't have um, enough uh, funds to structure them on a salary base or something. So we gave them shares in the company. Mm. We gave the two doctors shares in the company. Shares in Oasis or BISA? Oh, no, in BISA. In BISA as a product. So Oasis website, we have our own shareholders, but in BISA as a product, it's a good uh, question you asked. So for now, they are shareholders. And even before looking for them, I did a lot of research. I looked for doctors who had a lot of experience in volunteering. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not getting somebody who will come and be begging me for money for internet and other things like yeah. that. And how we are monetizing besides um, going back to Ghana, I'm going to have a couple of meetings with telecommunications. Mm-hmm. We are going to get telecommunications to sponsor this project um, so that it will be fairly be free for everybody. I believe health information is very critical. And if it would be good to monetize something like this or from the user point of view, but we are looking at it from um, the telecommunications where they would get to sponsor the project mm-hmm. and attach BESA. Uh, so maybe for users who are going to use BESA um, in MTN, mm-hmm. they are not going to pay a dime. They are going to rate BESA zero. So it means if you use BESA on your phone, it's going to be free. So you get your health information and everything else for free. Nice. So, yeah, we want users to have uh, this information. So we don't plan on monetizing it from the user point of view, but we are going to monetize it from, from the, the service provider. Tele- yeah, the service providers, yes. Mm. And, you know, if they want to roll out ads with this as well, then we can 
uh, negotiate yeah. and see how best. But for the users, for me, I'm very passionate about um, getting information to Africans. You know, if you want people to pay for something like this, I believe you know, the patronage is going to be low. low. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. So instead, let's get it to everybody. Let's get them the health information. And we even increase the doctors if um, we get enough um, sponsorship or investment from anybody who's interested. So we are not just looking at telecommunications, yeah. we are looking uh, at other stakeholders. Because I was about to say, you could also push it to medical insurance companies and HMOs and mm-hmm. hospitals and stuff like that. Yep. Where, yeah. take for example, if it's a HMO, people that are registered and signed up with the HMO can have free access to ask a doctor questions, which will also yep. help develop, you know, um, a sense of being very healthy and health conscious and can drive down insurance premiums or let people know exactly what's going on and what can be covered or not covered by um, having mm-hmm. health insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one you you phrased. And I yeah, so that's what we are looking at. So next week we are starting another set of uh, marketing for Bisa to get more people to use it. And I'm in talks with a friend from uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. We want to sign an MOU where we'd have Bisa in French, okay, where nice. we also have uh, yeah, I I believe in intra-African trade where mm-hmm. we get with other Africans because that's the way forward for Pan-Africanism in yeah. terms of. And getting Africans to live and work together and, you know, drive trade and, and investment and other things. So if we should um, co- um, uh, set things off on a good note business-wise, then uh, my people from the French-speaking countries should be on the lookout. Yeah. We would have um, Besan French. I'm sure the name would change slightly. So Besan means accent tree. Ask. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... That's it for the French people. <laughs> yeah, I think you could also rule that in Nigeria because there's so many there's mm-hmm. so many ways you could actually capitalize mm-hmm. on the hundred and eighty million or two hundred million, however many million people we are in Nigeria. Um, so so for me, I'm hoping for partnership. partnership if, yeah. if a Nigerian company would want to take up, um, so it's, it's a basic application. We can mm-hmm. just rebundle and make it relevant to Oh, so you can white-label the whole product and everything? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. So we can rebundle it and uh, roll it out in Nigeria, give it a different brand name, and, they, you know, it's all about, um, you know, business and understanding. And mm. If you're on the same page and everybody will get their due diligence, mm. you know, then I'm, I'm, I'm ready for such partnerships. Oh, mm. that's interesting. So yeah. as a startup now, um, how has your yep. focus shifted day to day from when you started as a coder programmer to now? Um, mm-hmm. You're running a company. You have more than one pro- products in the pipeline, yep. and you're working. Yep. So, so what's your focus on these days? Is it mainly business development as opposed to actual coding? Um, oh, so for me, <laughs> yeah. So for me as a person, yeah, I I've, I've, I've completely moved to the business development, but then I still help my team. I have a very good uh, chief technical officer. He's mm. called Thomas Tarkin. Um he's, he's, he's one of... I he's, I always tell people he's, he's smarter than myself. Reason being, he, he pays a lot of attention to details. That's something I always overlook because I'm so busy. So <laughs> I always attribute Thomas to be uh, the one who's smarter than I am. So I've brought a good team on board. I still need development. 
you know, when you go to my GitHub, you'd know the last time I wrote a code. Okay. You know, so you can go to github.com slash Randolph and you know I still write code. I still push code. And that's that's a part of me. I don't think I'll quit coding, you know. So I still lead the development when I'm around. But when I'm not around, uh, Thomas Daku leads the development. But my focus as, an, as a person right now is business. I mm. want to create a very massive uh, software development company. And um, that entails a lot of understanding into investments and um, seed capitals and venture capital and, you know, uh, financial. So I do a lot of reading in that. I actually did a short course in the University of Notre Dame when I came to the United States. And I did that in business and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. as opposed to doing a course in artificial okay. intelligence or software development. You know, so that tells you where my interest is going. So, yeah, as much as I need my software, I still need my team. Trust me, I, I, um, I, I still keep code and I'll... <laughs> so I lead that, but then I spend 60% of my time seeing how to innovate more, bringing um, good people to work for me. Um, you know, I want somebody who join my team that uh, understands where I want to take my company. So, you know, hiring the right people, working with the right people, and, you know, these are all business uh, things. So my focus now is more business and, and you know, innovating but then I still lead my my software development team until a point that I know they, they will be in uh, you know very good hands and, and I won't touch code again mm. and focus hundred percent on the on this uh, on the business. Okay, and so you mentioned earlier here you know learning more about business you know interested in mm-hmm. raising money for your venture, talking to VCs mm-hmm. and angel investors and whatnot. Um, thus far, you've, raised, mm-hmm. you've actually bootstrapped this company and basically yep. raised money from family and friends to run and yeah. support this company. Um, yeah. So what, what's, what's the journey like now as you're looking for investment to scale up this endeavor that you have? Um, so I believe, um, so for, I started a company in 2011 and for four years we've been raising our own funds internally, yeah. building and, uh, as I mentioned, offering services and training and development for different companies and, and individuals. So that has been, um, I believe, the journey so far. But looking ahead, we are looking for an investment to expand our operations. Yeah. We need a fairly huge, um, I believe, office space. And we need to hire the right talent. And what are they going to do? I guess that's the question you're going to ask. Like when I started my company, the concept I had in my mind was to build the Microsoft of Africa. And that is a very big ambition. But then it can't be possible. And let me break it down how that can be possible, you know, and how we've been working towards achieving that goal in Africa. So Microsoft is a big company. They offer services in cloud and data for different companies. They are building consumer products. They are building uh, customer software like uh, Microsoft Word and Excel. This is Oasis. Mm -hmm. We are a huge, uh, we are not so huge company, we are a small company. We are building different products in health and education and we are trying to um, serve this to the consumer. And we are not the typical startup that has one concept and we are focusing 100% 100% of our resources in it. Nope, I don't believe in that. I believe we, we innovate as we go. For last year, for instance, when Ebola hit West Africa, 
we built Ebola Ghana and led with other partners. Mm. And the aim of that uh, project was to um, educate the masses on what they can do to prevent Ebola. So these are things we did along the way. We mm. didn't focus solely on that, you know, because the trend is changing. You can't build you can one company. Yeah. yeah, you can't be static. As, and that's what you see happening around. We have a lot of startups that are focused. It's good to focus on just one product, but the trend is always changing. What if that, uh, you, nobody knows the future, but what if it fails or something? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it means are you going to join another startup? Or So for us, we have the bigger uh, traditional concept of having a technology company where you offer services and you build innovative products along the way. So we are looking for investors to come and invest in this, our concept of building this broad company where we get to serve health, uh, transportation, because technology on its own cannot make sense. It makes sense when you integrate it with health, entertainment, uh, education, transportation, yeah. and yeah, and even lifestyle. And that's what we are aiming to do. Mm. So what would uh, the, uh, an investor's money do? The investor's money is going to go into hiring the right talent. And recently we launched Oasis Technology Hub. So you can go to Oasis Tech Hub that we are hoping to start in November or hopefully next year. Mm -hmm. We are going to have 25 youth who are going to come into the hub. It's not going to be... I, I Initially, I wasn't even a fan of a hub, but I decided to call the project the Technology Hub because we are going to have Why? 25 youth. Um, I believe the concept of hub, um, uh, people... I've gotten it all wrong. They bring people and incubate them, and you know, if your idea gains a, a bunch of, they, uh, if your idea is viable, they give you a short-term investment. They don't follow up on what you are doing. So I know people who won hackathons and got five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, and right now they are they are working as uh, database managers of small banks because mm. those who facilitated such programs didn't give them a long-term goal to mentor them over time or to help them um, scale up their business. Mm. Because when you give four coders who want um, a code hackathon $4,000, they are coders. Um, how do you expect them to utilize the money? So these are some of the, uh, the, the roles, I believe, um, people who jumped into the technology hub industry in Africa got wrong. Mm. You know, we need a long-term commitment. $4,000 can transform an idea. You know, we need bigger and, you know, um, plans for people like that. And so for myself, you know, looking at all these loopholes in that system, we are bringing in 25 people who have a degree or not, who just have a, pas a passion to um, learn technology. We are looking at learning because that's one thing that has driven me as a person. I like to learn always. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I learn every day. And right now I'm learning more about cognitive technology. Okay. That is as a person. So we are bringing in people who like to, who want to learn, who have the, the passion bending them to learn. Mm -hmm. We teach them uh, software development for three months. That will include website development, mobile app development, software development. And then... Over the next six months, they are going to come into Oasis Websoft and help us scale up our business in terms of we're getting more jobs. We are going to, um, um, you know, build innovative solutions to solve our problems. And, mm. you know, that's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's um, what we are, we, are, we are aiming to do. So our technology hub will have 25 of our, uh, the, the best youngsters in Ghana who have the passion to learn. We train them, we bring them to Oasis Websoft, and then we give them the concept of 
technology is not just for technology's sake. Uh-huh. You can build technology to solve problems. We give them key case studies to see how they can bring their mind around building solutions. And over time, trust me, we would have very huge success stories in Oasis Technology Hub and we are going to work alongside them and we move Africa forward. Nice, nice, nice. Glad to hear that. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of um, learning and I take a lot of courses on um, Udemy and stuff like that. So it's always nice to see that. Yeah. I mean, you develop your skills. I, I, I always say that, yes, school does teach you how to get a job, but even when you get a job, you get trained in what to do at the job, but that's not where education is. Education is actually acquired when it's more self-directed and you find you have a problem or you have something that you want to solve and you seek out the yeah. answer to yourself. It, it tends to stick faster that way. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people yeah. say the same thing, that um, they are usually against um, incubators and hubs as opposed to accelerators that, you know, help mentor yeah. people over time. So, uh, yeah, that's no, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. That's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah. um, let's take a step back as we start to wind down and focus on you personally. We've talked a lot about oh, your business, okay. where you guys are, where you guys are coming from, where you're going. You know, raising venture capital to grow this yeah, thing, and yep, obviously, yep, as yep. people listen to the show, of course, if any VC is interested in getting in touch with you, they can get in touch with you. We'll put all your details yep. on the website yep. and link to Oasis Websoft. But now yeah. let's talk about you personally, and let's just do some wrapping up questions right now. Oh, and say, okay. If, okay. if you if you were to if you were to start off all over again, what would you do differently, based on your experience um, that far? Um, the focus. I believe when I started off, I was looking at uh, building uh, products that wow people. Uh-huh. So I think a web browser would be something I wouldn't do if I I start up again. Uh-huh. I'll just jump solely into building. Uh, technology on affordable devices because when we started off we didn't leverage on mobile mobile technology oh. you know we leverage on the computer markets but at that point the computer market is already done <laughs> yeah so we're building software as opposed to a mobile application or USSD data so i believe uh, starting up again i would have jumped straight into the uh, mobile application markets and build solutions that would um, you know solve a, a bit of um, and problems in our society, yeah. Okay. And who's an entrepreneur you admire the most, and why do you admire such a person? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you have more than one, feel free to share. Um, I, I, I want to see someone who... I believe so. This is two in one. Okay. One, one. Uh, these two people really motivated me. Um, Sergey Brin and Larry Page of Google. Um, the reason being, I followed their story when I, I was starting my company, looking at how they revolutionized search and how they didn't stick on just search and just moved on to other products. And right now, they are they are masters of different products. They have the uh, internet browser market locked. They have their operating mobile operating system industry locked. They have search locked, you know, and that is something I believe so many entrepreneurs should, uh, should learn from. You shouldn't just focus solely on one. No, it's focus is number one. Like it's not, it's not always good to have a plan B. Plan A, you should make sure plan A succeeds. Mm-hmm. But I believe, um, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, transform themselves over time. There are so many companies that 
sprang uh, up over the the web bubble in the early 2000s. Mm. But where are they now? Where's yeah. High Five now? You know, so I believe uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, uh, they, they, um, they motivated me a lot. Um, I actually have their research papers from their uh, university days. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I found Hardcore. that also. Yeah, I, I found that online where I got to learn more of their page and algorithm and, you know, their search algorithms. So these people are smart people. Trust me, don't uh, mistake uh, some of these guys as just university dropouts. One thing people do not know about Sergey Brin and Larry Page is they didn't drop out from university. They dropped out from their PhD program, meaning they are done their degrees <laughs> and all yeah. that. So don't drop drop out from the university. Yeah, like um, I believe a lot in learning, educating yourself as a person, because that's the only way you can show people how intelligent you are. Mm. So you know, um, don't drop out from the university. Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, they are totally different from Randolph Owusu and, and uh, Jason Njoku or Randolph Owusu and Alios uh, Zata uh, from Ghana, you know, they are totally different. Yeah. So, yeah, Sergey Brin and Larry Page. And in Africa, I think I'm a big fan of Jason Njoku, the Iroko TV guy. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I when I first heard of his company, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I think everybody had that. <laughs> Yo, but he's making millions out of it. So he's, he's a boss. If he's watching this, I respect him so much. And yeah. I, I hope to get the chance to meet him one day over lunch and we get to discuss technology in Africa. Yeah. I believe Iroko, Iroko TV revolutionized the Nollywood industry. It's yeah. something, even today, people are doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but um, they are not making as much as impact as um, Iroko TV has. Mm. And I believe we need more of such stories. We need more of such local success stories. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I think Jason Njoku, I respect him. I, I respect him so much. You know, as a CEO, as a business person, he's not a technologist. I believe um, he, he did his master's in... Uh, chemistry. Chemistry, yep, yep, yep. So... He even understanding the technology industry and building such a, a huge technology product and solving a key problem is something I respect so much. Mm. So, yeah. And you know they have a venture capital, um, which is Spark, I believe. Yeah, I've seen Spark, but I, I, I guess there's a lot of investment into the Nigerian uh, startup scene. Um, I've not seen, I've not seen, you see, you're smiling. I've not seen <laughs> any, any money flowing from Lagos to Accra. Or, uh, well, I mean, well, let's see what we can do. Ho- <laughs> hopefully, Jason is listening and watching, and then we'll say, hey, man, you need to go and hop on a plane 45 minutes to Accra and check out what's uh-huh, going on there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I should be in Ghana in. In the uh, hopefully the last week of September, you know, I've, uh, I'm currently in the states. Uh, mm-hmm. For your viewers who do not know, I I came here as a Washington Mandela Fellow. It's a President Obama initiative, and you know they got me uh, six weeks fellowship to study in University of Notre Dame for free. Mm-hmm. They actually even flew me to the states for free, and afterwards I'm still here, man. I'm still nice. looking for that. Uh, that uh, that uh, that that's, that's money. Yeah. that money. So I until I get that, uh, but I'll be home soon. Hopefully, once nice. one of a couple of deals go through, I'll be back home in, in Ghana nice. because I'm based there. I believe in Africa. I believe the next billion dollars that will be made in technology is from Africa. So you know, that's what I'm working hard towards. Nice, nice. And so, um, what's a significant? failure you've experienced in the past and how did you overcome it? 
Hey, oh, so this story, I don't know if I'll tell the story. So after I built the web browser, it got into my head, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Charlie, now I have to build an operating system. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I became very ambitious, very, very ambitious, you know, because I was loving the publicity and all I was getting. So I'm like, hey, so let me just wow these people. So I, I built a Linux distribution. This is very technical. I, I'm sure um, your listeners who are very technical will understand what I'm... So I built a Linux distribution, a Linux distribution mm-hmm. like Ubuntu. Okay. And I called it Anansi OS. And I used uh, a couple of um, online resources, learned a lot, and built uh, Anansi OS. And I rolled it out. After like six, seven months of building, and I rolled it out. The backlash I got, eh, it was worse. <laughs> yeah. Eesh. The backlash is something I think of in 2012, and I'm like, Jesus, if it was you, trust me, you won't bounce back. <laughs> the developer community, oh, man, we had shred, shred of discussions. People were questioning my credibility and the tools I used in developing the operating system and Oh man, like the backlash was, was heavy. Someone actually wrote a blog post lambasting me and everything I'd done. And I believe it was a it was a good learning curve and it showed me different things about the community in Africa. First of all, what, 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 what were the comments? So why were they Oh, so they were vicious response. Uh, first off, the world didn't need another operating system. And second off, since uh, they were they were they were uh, commenting on the name. That it's the Linux, it's the Linux distribution. So instead of it being Anansi operating system, it should have been Anansi Linux distribution. And I'm like, Linux distribution is still an operating system. So these were some of the comments and the tools I used in developing it. You know, they felt the tools were easy to to use and and, and things like that. So the backlash was massive, and I I learned a lot. Trust me. First of one thing I learned from that experience was. The developer community, instead of accepting what I had done and even helped me to improve it, because the reason I built that operating system is even bigger than myself. I was looking at, imagine we had a um, Windows operating system, but in, in, in Igbo or in Chi, mm. in a local language where people who do not understand this whole um, English, you know, mounting OS are going to have something in an African local language. Mm. Then we can use a lot of images to depict different things so that people who are not educated can use this operating system. So that was the focus of the operating system. And the other focus I had in mind, and even I tried um, bundling in the OS, was educational tools where we have, like, uh, tools for calculating, tools like basically educational tools, but the community, developer community being accepted, I got the backlash, the backlash of my life. Trust me, I, I couldn't sleep for days. My head was oh. on fire. People were tweeting, um, you know, because once you gain the publicity as uh, building Africa's first web browser, you know, people um, relied on this publicity to uh, make their own. Mm. Even people launched blogs about it. Yeah. You know, people, that was like their first blog post. My case <laughs> against Rindo Fuusu. So it was, man, trust wow. me, I, I, I <laughs> it was something I learned from, trust me. And I, I decided um, to focus more on very scalable things, very realistic things. And 
you know, I was too futuristic for, for them at that point. <laughs> but, you know, the right thing the senior developers could have done was to join me and and I actually put all the source code on GitHub because oh. when I was getting the backlash, I'm like, hey, guys, to prove to you I put in a lot of effort, go to GitHub, I've put the whole source code there. Until date, nobody has contributed one line of code to the software. Wow. Yeah, so that's, uh, that tells you a lot as, as, uh, as, as Africans and as a people and how our, our reasoning is, you know. But the backlash is something, if I remember today, my heart beats that. How did I even live through that moment of backlash, you know, all kinds of comments, trust me. People I trusted, people I, I, I thought they were going to, um, you know, support me. They all turned their back and, you know, even made it personal and raised uh, doubts about, about myself. So <laughs> it's good I'm sharing this so people know it's, it's not easy getting to this level. No, 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 definitely, it's definitely not because things like this do happen and will happen. And, and it's part of why I called it, like, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Show. So that did she? Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> so that you know that no matter what happens, you know, things like yeah. this will happen, you just have to suck it up and keep going. Yeah, essentially yeah. just yeah. have to suck it up and keep going. And that's um and then you've done admirably well, you've done just that. You suck you sucked it up. Yeah. I'm sure it must have been <laughs> must have been hellish couple of weeks. Man, at that point when I, I Google my name. Um, those articles uh, come up, right? Mm. So when I see that, I'm like, oh my god, like, oh man, it's it, it wasn't it wasn't easy, trust me. Wow. No. But fun, yeah. funny enough, though, when I was doing research for this conversation, I did not see any derogatory yeah. statements it's, to you, and I went as far as like uh-huh. page fifteen. Eish. Hey, you did a lot of... So that, that happened three years ago. Oh, okay, so, so it's, maybe yeah, it's like in Google yeah. page 30. Most of back. those who have, have shut down those articles because yeah. over time, they realized, they thought something like that would, um, would discourage me. Yeah. Hey, man, I have a mission and my my eyes are on it. Mm-hmm. So it, I was down for a bit, but then I swallowed it up and... Get you back know, on the horse and, and ride on. Yeah, right on. And I'm sure some of them uh, looking at me from afar. I, have, I won't say I've got. I've not gotten any work. I'm still working yeah. hard. So I guess um, they will be proud of me to some extent. And if they want to support, I'm, I'm open. But they shouldn't do that to uh, anyone. Yeah. Like, if somebody uh, makes an effort for something, you can reach out to the person personally. But you don't try and make waves over it. And you know. Um, you know, then I, I guess just pulling down spirits is a thing enough embedded in Africa, but then yeah. we, sh- we should move beyond that and even push people up and lift people know. up because yeah. collaboration that's the only way like the whole community succeeds if we're all yeah. helping one another, exposing one another, and you know, yeah, like say, Oh, one of you did a good job, you did an okay yeah. job, but you know, this is where I think. This could, this could could use some work or something like yep. that, you know. Yep. Or I don't think that calling it an RCOS is the right thing, you know. You should have just yep. called it a Linux, something like that. Yeah, you know, something that would be like constructive, not um, yeah. destructive. And you see, they nearly, I, I was depressed. Trust me, I, I, I nearly went to depression because that backlash. I was young, like I was, I was twenty one or twenty, so. You know, then I, I wasn't as strong as I am as a person mm. right now. You know, right now I've done all kinds of businesses. I've, I've moved on in different businesses. Businesses have gone south because of basic disagreements, and mm-hmm. I've moved beyond that as a person. But at that point, I was young, and I was thinking the world was 
was you know ready to accept uh, different things, but I I I, I believe um, Africans should be, uh, um, no I won't generalize it, but I believe the developer community should be more collaborative and and even more competitive and. You know, we'll have a focus of putting Africa in a better place. Yeah, nice. And so, my last question for the day will be: um, if you had, well, actually, let's make it two because I want to get some of the hey, resources. You've talked, you've talked about being a learner, so I want to get some resources from you for the people that are listening. So, oh, um, okay. give us some resources. You know, books, websites, software, tips, mm-hmm. messages things that have been valuable and inspirational to you on your journey and have helped you learn and grow as a person and as a programmer. So what what are some of your resources? So I I don't know if uh, most of your your, your users or your listeners would would know about Eric Rice, um, the yes. founder of Link Startup. So I, that's one book everybody should read, Link Startup. Link Startup, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Link Startup. I, it's a very good book. You know, it, you know, although it was written in the state, but it's very relevant in every startup context oh. in terms of bootstrapping and um, working with a very lean team and uh, rolling out innovative products. So I believe uh, Link Startup is a book um, everyone should read. And um, taking up online courses. I've taken up uh, different uh, courses in Udemy, oh. and I've taken up courses in Coursera as well. And, yeah, on different, so don't limit yourself as a person. As I've told you right now, I'm learning a lot about cognitive um, computing, oh. you know, and, you know, I believe um, in human learning behaviors. You, you'd imagine uh, that one thing I didn't know about myself was a, uh, as a, a founder and as running a company, is all the apps I was building over the years were apps that were teaching people about education, educating the people. So I, I came to the States and I even figured it out. So I'm learning more about human learning behaviors. What will motivate people to learn more? Hmm. What will cause people to use Pesa more? So I'm doing a lot of different research in that area. So I believe um, in YouTube, I will surprise you, but I don't go on YouTube to watch prank videos. I go on YouTube to follow what Google is doing in their developer space, okay. what IBM is doing in their watching space. I'm following what um, Facebook is doing in their developer space. So there's a lot of resources on YouTube. Mm. There's like LinkedIn. They have an engineering community. They are putting out um, short videos on how to use Node.js and different things. So YouTube is something I, I always utilize. But then I follow very relevant. I subscribe to very relevant pages. I you know, as I said, I don't, maybe once in a while you can watch a prank, but, you know, the internet is fast. Yeah. You know, I can't give you all the resources. The internet is fast. Mm. Know what you want as a person, and you'd find the resource to you. So I use YouTube a lot. I go on there. I watch interviews like Peter's granted. I watch interviews Jason Njoku has granted. I watch interviews that Mark um, Zuckerberg has granted, and I get to learn from these people. And I get to learn from African entrepreneurs as well. Herman Chinues is a Ghanaian. He started Ghana's first software company. I follow Herman Chinues on YouTube. I listen, you know. And that's a, there's a, a lot of knowledge in listening and in talking, I guess. But yeah. then he's going to resources like this. YouTube, for me, I'm a big YouTube person. Okay. I, right now, if you should look at my computer, I have YouTube open. And I, of course, the video I was watching from last night. You know, so I get to learn a lot. You know, if you realize reading is not your thing, trust me. Uh, most people didn't grow up with uh, um, 
most people didn't grow up with the you know the forcefulness of reading. So I believe you can watch videos more interactive. You mm-hmm. can see, you know, and that will be your mode of learning. Just find your learning style and and just uh, you know learn something because learning will take you ahead. Learning has brought me this far, and I believe learning will also take anybody. Really yeah. Nice. And how do you manage your time in the midst of you know running a company and then trying to learn as much as possible? How do you how do you schedule your day? Oh, uh, trust me. To put in um, learning time. Okay. I won't lie to you and sound like uh, cliche like other entrepreneurs who tell you priority and stuff like that. Trust me, I I'm still learning how to manage my time. It's mm-hmm. not easy. You know, because I I have like a, a business to run. I have to learn. I have family. You know, I. I'm a family-oriented person. Yeah. You know, I recently lost my grandma, so it's like I'm a family person. I follow what's going on. So, oh, it's fine, and I believe God knows better. So I believe um, I'm still learning. Um, that's why I'm sure. That's why I'm not even. I, I'm I'm not in a relationship or anything because I I'm still learning how to manage my time, and it's not easy. You know, I'm still learning. Trust me. I I won't say I'm perfect, but then. There are times I put every, I, I sat down the computer, take a book and read. There are times I'm behind the computer for two or three days straight. So I'm still learning to manage my time. And that's the truth. I won't say I know how to prioritize. I know how to set timelines. Business-wise, I'm good at that. But personally, I, I suck at that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And so the last question for today nice. <laughs> is... What uh-huh. what advice would you give to yourself Oof. if you had to go back and whisper something to yourself based on your experience thus far? What would you then tell yourself to look at for, to watch out for as you are growing into the entrepreneur that you are today? No, nah, don't trust anyone. If you could, don't trust anyone. Don't trust anyone. I I was too trusting when I. I became an entrepreneur. I trusted different people. People who supposedly were supposed to be my mentors, apparently, they had their own material uh, motives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I believe trust is, is number one. You know, you can build trust over time, but then, you know, one thing I advise my young self is I shouldn't trust people because people surprised me. Like, people did different things that it I was shocked. Like, for a whole day, I sit down and... I say to myself, I can't believe it because I was too trusting. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know in the business world it's a doggy dog game. Like I that's not how business is supposed to be, but that's the reality of it. It's a doggy dog game. Like nobody's looking out for anybody else. We have to survive. And I believe that's something I would have told myself um years ago. That maybe I shouldn't trust people. So even when the person shows me a different color, I'd say, Oh, of course, I saw that coming. But at that point it surprised me. So that is one advice other entrepreneurs should take. Don't be too trust, uh, trusting. If you have an idea, you want to share it with a, um, a, a supposed uh, businessman or investor, let him sign a non-disclosure. Take um, uh, take um, your bookkeeping skills seriously in terms of records, um, your expense. Make sure you keep records of all those things when you're starting a company. Because it's important when you are going to look for venture capital. Yeah. So I and you know and need a little bit of everything. Have a fair idea of everything else because you, they can make very good conversations oh. when you are talking to different people. You know, you shouldn't and keep keep an open mind. You know, don't let. Um, I know this will sound controversial, but don't let religion and morality and different things come into into your 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 making of decisions when it comes to business and different things. Just keep an open mind. 
you know, we are, we are so many people in the world and we can't all believe in the same things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Christian and I believe so much in God, but then, you know, just um, keep an open mind about different things. And yeah, that will, that will drive your business or your, your idea or your concept forward. Nice, nice. Well, Randolph, thanks a lot for coming on yeah. to share your story. It's been really, really yeah. interesting. I, I, I want to dig in further, but obviously I want to respect your time. I know you have things to do. Yeah. You have to be about the hustle and get some of those dollars. Of course, back. of course. Get some of, of those course. dollars back to our craft. So, so I'm, <laughs> yeah, I have to, I'm hoping I that have at to. least by the time you you finish, you know, raising capital for your venture and, you know, Things are yeah. growing great. Maybe in the next, what, you know, six months, one year, you come back and you, and, you, and you tell us, hey, man, I was able to raise like $10 million. Yeah, I'm We're blowing up in a car right now. Let me, let me, let me fly you over to come see what we're doing in Oasis Websoft. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, nice. It's really been a Thank pleasure you. talking to you, Randolph. And um, yeah, yeah just so keep, up, keep, up, keep up the great work and um, wish you some yeah. much, much success and God favor and God speed along the way. Yeah, thank you so much. And All I right. really appreciate it. And let's keep in touch. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Okay. Thanks. Thank All you. right, man. Yeah.
Chichi, chichi.